Hey Life Church, Roger here. I'm the student director. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Thanks for following us. If you're a brand new listener, welcome as well. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to follow us. If you're in our community or in our church and you want to participate in what God is actively doing in our church and in the community in which we have been placed, we welcome you to do that. You can go to our now page to check out how to give online and participate that way. But we are in our second week of our 21 Days of Prayer series where we've been talking about the meaning and the purpose of prayer as well as establishing some rhythms for us as a community to participate and practice prayer together in this season. So this week we have a a message from Pastor Nathan. Uh, I hope you enjoy the message and and I'll catch you in a couple minutes after you listen to it. See you soon. can have a seat. Thank you so much for joining us online and in person. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it it is a new year, but it kind of feels a lot like the old year in some ways. But I believe that this season that we're in is going to produce something inside of you and the community around you that's going to change the way that we interact with this year. I was talking to someone right before the uh, service, and they said, it's, it's just like we're repeating the same grade. We didn't get it right the first two years. We'll get it right this year. I like that kind of uh, a hopefulness. And today, uh, really, I want to drill down on what we're all going to start today. I'm going to say that with confidence, that you're going to start this with me today as a church, which is 21 days of prayer, even if this is the first time you're checking this out. We spend 21 days praying together uh, as a community, not just so that we can see God answer prayers, of which there are a lot of them, but that God can transform us. 21 days leads up until the 30th, which every year at the last Sunday of, the, uh, of January, we celebrate the previous year and look forward to what's coming next. What's coming next is a brand new vision, a 10-year vision we've been working on for a long time that each one of you will be part of. So this season, this January, is a season of preparation. I'm going to talk about a lot of different ways that you can pray and fast. I've I've taken a few. uh, Others do different things. I want you to be thinking about from the very beginning of this message, how are you going to participate in an intentional time of prayer? Prayer is something that you've been given that transforms your life. It's a connection with God um, that if you believe in Jesus, transforms everything. It's a gift that many of us forget about or we struggle to work through it. So 21 days of prayer fasting is a way of moving through that. I don't know about you, but my December was kind of rough. Um, Last year, in general, was a a restless one. I don't know if that was true for you. I lost a couple friends, some that are dear and some that are in this church, to COVID in in December. It was was hard and difficult. Uh, And during December, I found the joy of what stress can do to your body, including if you've had chicken pox in the past, shingles. So at the ripe old age of 35, I got shingles, which, by the way, are not just a rash, but a deep nerve, like nerve thing. It's horrible. Why didn't people tell me about this? This is bad. So I got shingles, and that was a whole lot of not fun. Um, and as I began to recover from shingles, which actually can really drain you as well. It's not just pain. Um, I, at some point, also uh, got covid in the middle of that. So I went right from shingles into COVID, making for a, uh, a fun experience. And by that, I mean not at all. Now, thank God our entire family is fine. Seems we got a mild case of it, and we're doing great now. But man, December was not the way I wanted to end that year. 
And I decided I wanted a fresh start. Many of us do this in January. We decide we want a fresh start. We want to start things new. I knew we had 21 days of prayer starting, but December was just so bad. I'm like, I'm just going to start early. So on January 1st, I began my uh, prayer and fasting, which I'll take all the way to the end of the month. I thought this is the best way that I could recover and rest and refocus. Um, So I did a media fast, so I'm not doing anything social media unless it's related to work, news, blogs, video games, movies, shows. I cut all of them out. I'm also praying for one hour every day, which I'm really enjoying. I'm fasting from 6 p.m. to 12 p.m. the next day, so eating in kind of this eight-hour window. What a great idea, right? Just start off the new year with all of these disciplines all at once. It would be, except... Uh, except that there was one little problem. We were in stages of quarantine. So we were home, and the kids were home doing schoolwork, and there was no escape, no nothing. Uh, It was just a long day, and you couldn't even go on social media. You couldn't even watch a movie at the end of the night. It was a rough nine days for me. But I realized that I wouldn't have traded those nine days for anything else. And the reason why is because what God is doing in those moments and in that time is crucial. Instead of feeling, though, rested and recovered in the new year, I'm feeling restless. So if you're feeling restless, I'm right there with you. Why would we do prayer and fasting? Why would you want to in, like, induce these kinds of feelings? Well, prayer and fasting, they clear out distractions. They clear out distractions. Those distractions are from many different things, but ultimately what they do is keep us from being transformed by God. You know, this year, uh, in the milieu of the reality we live in, may not be any better. It may be worse than last year, but this year can be better if we are transformed in the inside. We're starting to realize that internal fortitude, internal peace is much more valuable than anything that this world can offer us. We're being taught that lesson. Maybe this is our third year where we'll finally get the picture, where it finally clicks. Prayer and fasting isn't about the accomplishment. It's not about saying, I did this or I did that. It's not even about adding to your life better habits. It's not really about that. Those are some side benefits, but when we lose sight of what it's really about, we miss it. And what it's really about is removing things so that we can listen, so that we can hear. It's about removing everything that gets in the way of being with God. So I no longer could distract myself from the stress of December or the previous years. I couldn't use a movie or a TV show to check out for a little bit or distract myself with everything that's happening in the world uh, and, and just keep reading again and again and again. I couldn't eat or enjoy certain things that I like to enjoy as a way of masking an internal restlessness and hurt and pain. You see, often the distraction in our life, it covers our hurts, our pains, our ungrieved losses, our traumas. And what happens when we remove those is those things rise to the surface and they stir up our spirit. You know, when we're restless in some way, we're hurting or longing safety or security or significance or belonging or we want answers to why. Why is this happening to us? And we don't like sitting in those things. So often our life is built around masking them. But I want you to know something. Internal restlessness, internal restlessness in your heart, in your spirit, it signals an unmet longing of your heart. Maybe you don't like that word longing. That's not something that you really enjoy. But, but 
what I mean by longing is it's a need, something that you are designed to have filled. It's, it's a piece of you that helps you be complete and whole. And restlessness is often there because we know deep down something is wrong. And so we often medicate that restlessness in prayer and fasting is designed to literally stir that to the surface so it can be seen for what it is. And so I'm asking every one of you to do that. And you're like, that sounds great. You know what I need more in, in, in my life? A feeling of anxiety and restlessness. <laughs> but if we don't deal with these things, we aren't going to go into the year with the peace that God has for us that is what has been given to us. We strive in this life in vain to fill our hearts with these longings. Blaise Pascal said it this way, the infinite abyss that is our desires and our longings. The infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. Something that is huge and can't be moved can only fill an infinite abyss. In other words, by God himself. God alone is man's true good. So, restlessness is something not that we avoid, but embrace. Today I'm going to speak about one of those longings, only one of them, and it's going to go back into the prayer that we've been going through in this month in John 17. I'm going to talk about belonging. Belonging. Specifically, the belonging you can have in God being your Father. If you follow Jesus, God is your Father. And there is a belonging, a sense of security that comes from that. That is what I want for every single one of you. A peace. So if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen as well. We're going to go back into John 17. Last week's message was wonderful. I enjoyed it. It, it ignited my imagination about what's happening in, in when we pray. Today, I want us to go deeper and to engage our imagination about what this belonging means. But of course, I'm getting this all from Jesus himself. He's praying a prayer in front of his disciples to God. It's a beautiful moment, one of few that we get to see what God, what Jesus' interaction with God was. You know, he spent time alone with God all the time. We get to hear what he is saying. In John 17, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. We're going to do 9 and 10 for right now. <clears throat> I pray for them. That's those listening. That's you. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. So all of us, we are God's. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And, that has, and glory has come to me through them. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Jesus' prayer is he's speaking to the Father, and he's including you into this conversation. His work and mission here on earth was to redeem what God had placed here and to rescue and restore you, to bring you to connection with the Father again. And because he has done what God has called him to do, Jesus is continually doing that every day, he gets glory, because his glory is in doing the work of the Father, meaning he should be honored and respected. He should rejoice in what he has done. He rejoices in you. Jesus' glory is us, because his mission was to redeem us. All I have is yours, and you have, all you have is mine. Jesus talking to God the Father. We belong then to God and Jesus. 
It's over and over again we hear that we were bought at a price. Jesus bought us and we belong to him. Now you can see that as some kind of master-slave relationship, but it's beautiful. It's actually much more so than that. You know, that's why at this church, at Life Church Canton, we say you belong because you belong to God and you belong to Jesus. And that means something about you that has given you belonging. We want you to feel that way. We want you to experience it because belonging is so crucial to understand for our health. You belong if you follow Jesus. He is stating, you are mine. The God of the universe has you in his hand. What does it mean, though, to experience this belonging? Because I, I think most of us can agree with what I just said. But what we experience every day, well, we're not experiencing that because restlessness comes up inside of us. Anxiety comes up inside of us when we don't feel like we belong, but we should never feel like we don't belong if we have experienced this truth in our hearts. So what does this mean to experience belonging? Let me tell you a story about a woman. Her name was Liv Rundgren. Was born in New York City in 1977. Grew up in New York City when she was nine years old. She went to a concert and she met a musician. Someone who she looked at was like, wow, I really connect with this musician. They got to talk a little bit and, and realized, you know, I kind of I kind of look like this guy. I kind of look like this guy. Oh, whatever, whatever. Nine years old, right? Over the next three years, uh, this little girl, Liv, would follow the band and had posters on her, on her wall. And at night, she would talk to the posters of this man about her day. It's, you know, cute and, and, and whatever. It's, it's interesting. Well, she started to grow. And as she grew up to the age of 11, finally, she goes to her mom and says to her mom, hey, who is that man? Who is that man? Because I'm starting to wonder if that man is not related to me. And the mother admitted that that man, Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith, was indeed her father. And that's Liv Tyler. You might know Liv Tyler from many of her movies, including Lord of the Rings. But she found out that Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith was her biological father. Can you imagine that moment for her? finding out that moment that your father is someone famous, someone with influence and power, but also someone who you've connected with. I tell you this because who you belong to matters. And you don't belong to some singer from Aerosmith who makes some good music and has the biggest mouth I've ever seen on a human. <laughs> you, belie- you belong to the king of the heavens, Finding out that you have that belonging or experiencing it, maybe just for a flash of a moment like Liv Tyler did, that means so much because it changes everything. Liv Tyler enjoyed the connections of a singer with influence. Imagine enjoying the connections of a king of the universe, its creator. Not only that, he isn't just, you don't just belong to him, you are his daughter. You are his son. He has called you son and daughter. Maybe you, when you think about parents, especially fathers, you would like to have an experience like live, where you find out that your father is actually someone else, not someone who was absent, not someone who was abusive, not someone who was condescending or shameful or hurtful. Maybe that's where you're at. 
or you would like a moment for that to be redeemed. Or maybe you're so far from that, you're like, I don't want anything to do with parents, especially fathers. Verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, they are still in the world. He's leaving, so he says this, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Holy Father. God, Jesus referred to Father, God the Father all the time, but in a specific instances, he uses this special term, and this is one of them, Holy Father. It's unusual. And as always, Jesus chooses his words perfectly. There's a reason why he's using this title. A, a phrase that maybe you would understand is righteous or a right father. Something that uh, helps you understand that he is holy and good. It contrasts the selfishness and evil of the world and, and sometimes the selfishness and evil we've experienced in our own father. I think it's beautiful here that perhaps he's reminding us that Jesus' father, his father, is holy and good, that he can be trusted, that he is loving. He's reminding us of that moment. But the second part is father, dad, Abba, daddy. There is a intimacy, an incredible intimacy in these two phrases. You are good, you are righteous, but you and I are close. You are my father. That's what Jesus is saying. He extends his eyes to his father and at the same time extends his hand to you and me to draw you in to this relationship. Holy Father, protect them. If anything in this new year, I would want you to live more into the idea that you are the daughter of a holy and righteous Father King. That you are a son of a holy and righteous Father King. And that reality means that you belong to the greatest family of all time. And that identity would help you overcome anything that comes this year. Jesus is inviting you to experience a good, righteous, holy, loving, attentive, pure father. No matter who your father is or was, God is inviting you to this experience. Your longing, one of them, to belong, unfortunately, will never be filled by a marriage or a relationship. It'll never be filled by a church. We say you belong, but we can't make that you feel that way. Your relationship, your friend group, the people you belong to, organizations, you can never truly feel like you belong. It's not going to happen. There's only one way. One way. The way. And that's that you belong to a good father. Only the permanent an infinite love of God, the Father, can fill the longing in your heart. Nothing else can. And as we remove the distractions that help us try to fill that thing up, the restlessness grows and we realize that we don't have what it takes to fill this need. Only God does. You belong as a leading, is about leading people to the Father, not to Life Church Canton, not to where you feel like you belong here because all the rules are right and you feel like you belong and you, and you like all the people around you. No, no, no. Our job is not 
to do that, but to lead you to the Father and to do everything we can to enhance that experience of you being a son and daughter of the King. But if you don't have this base understanding and you're unwilling to push into that, you will always be left with this sinking suspicion that you don't belong unless you behave a certain way. Or even if you do everything you can, someone will leave you. Jesus asks very intentionally in this passage in 11, protect them, protect them, protect the disciples so they may live into a new reality, to live into their identity. Because the truth is someone wants you to never experience this belonging, the enemy. I was reminded of this this week as John Grandy. John Grandy was, was going to preach um, this message but is sick, and so um, I stepped in to help, but he was telling the story. And, and as he was telling the story in our midweek meeting, preaching this message, I became inspired by this moment. Now, I won't share his story about his daughter, but I reminded myself of a time when I was a kid, and I was watching movies, and I'd watch TV shows, and all of a sudden, I'd have this sinking suspicion something bad was about to happen, right? Have you ever felt that way watching a TV show? I was really, really sensitive to music. Little did I know what I was cueing in on was something that was happening in the background. See, I'd watch a show, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, something bad's about to happen, but nothing on the screen of what I could see was bad. And then invariably, every time, something bad would happen. And I thought that I just knew everything, Um, but I didn't. Little did I know, I was reacting to the music, to the score, to the soundtrack. You see, some people are, but most of us are, to some degree, sensitive to music. And there is music that induces a response inside of us. It can be music that's leading up to something bad about to happen, and and it's full of fear. In fact, if you take a comedy that's from a horror movie, or take a, a soundtrack from a horror movie and put it over a comedy, it is terrifying because your mind is seeing and hearing dialogue that's supposed to be light and happy and funny, but in the background, you're hearing doom. I think this is crucial for us to understand that There's been studies on this, and they said fear expressed through music engages the same brain areas known to be crucial for detecting and evaluating threat-level information. The music was causing me as a child, and still does to this day, to look for threats when I hear it. So what's playing in the background matters. Hmm. There are two scores playing in the background. And which one you tune into, which one you listen to, directly affects the way that you are experiencing this year does. The first one is one of belonging in Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, you belong to my Father. Protect them. Love them. He's saying, remind them. Remind them that they belong to you, God, again and again and again. That's what you need to be reminded of. One of my favorite verses, I've talked about this when I talk about our code, about a song being sung over our community. And that verse is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord Your God is with you, mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, dear. He will delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoices over you with singing. God is singing over you. He's singing one of belonging and hope and life and joy. Are you listening to that score? To that soundtrack? Or have you been playing a record of a different kind? 
It's not actually your record. You didn't make it. You can sometimes accompany it and play it again and again and pay attention to it. But there's another score, one of fear and shame. And it's the enemy saying, you are worthless. You are not enough. He told you you cannot be loved by your father, the father figure in your life. How could you? How could you? You are someone who's a failure. You'll never be enough. You need to be afraid. Everyone is out to get you. Perform or be irrelevant. Your father wasn't there because you didn't deserve a father. You deserve everything your father did to you. These are the lies of the enemy. And they affect us in every single moment of every single day. You need to know if you struggle with your father or your parent, you are loved and you are chosen. And what God says about you matters more than what anyone else says about you. Your journey towards realizing and experiencing that may be long, but don't give up on that journey of experiencing and encountering the love of a father who is holy, righteous, and good, and attentive, and never leaves you. You might have told yourself you cannot be loved by a father figure, but I'm telling you, you are not only invited to it, it is required of you, it is asked of you, it's begged of you to redeem the wounds of your parents in you. It is not something that has been stolen from you that you will never have redeemed. And all of us have to step into this in some way or another. For those who are brave, God will meet you there. Jesus is asking us to understand a fuller experience of our sonship, of our daughtership. I don't know if that's a word, but that thing. He wants us to experience it. It cannot be conceptual alone. Longing is not conceptual. Longing is something that's even deeper than even just emotions. So it must be experiential. Our wounds are experienced, and so must our healing be. There's a song by a band called Mute Math. It's now decades old. I'm at that stage in my life where I get to say things like that. It's kind of fun. But it was one of those moments where I was just drawn to this song, almost like I was drawn to certain kinds of music. I kind of told me something was going on, something about this song. I just couldn't stop listening to it again and again and again. And it's written from the perspective of a man to God or a man to a woman, but it's this idea, um, this, this band. It, it, there's this phrase that's repeated again and again and again. And it's, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. You are mine over and over and over again. And I just couldn't understand why I was so drawn to it. I would play it on repeat, and this is uh, even before I was married. I was driving down a street. I remember the moment it happened. I remember that the trees, it was fall. I don't remember what year, but the trees were old, and they were kind of hanging over the, the road, and it was quiet time in the early morning, so there was nobody out, and I'm driving, and I'm listening to this song again and again, and I heard this in this moment, and God said, this is how I feel about you. You are mine. And as the song played, I was driven 
to just this emotional experience of this belonging. And this, I'm weeping, I'm crying as I'm realizing God is saying over me, singing over me, you are mine. It's one of those moments I'll never forget in my life. It was a step. It wasn't the moment where I got it all figured out. Oh, I have a long journey to go before I understand what it means that I belong to the Father of the universe who's good and loving. But it was a step. It was an experience. Transformation in our deepest parts, they're done in moments. But it's done often and most often in my life in prayer. In these moments of sitting with the God of the universe, Prayer isn't about accomplishing a task or getting things answered. It's about positioning yourself to sit to whatever extent you can embrace this imagery in the lap of a father who is safe and loving and kind and having your arms wrapped around as he imparts into you the truth of your identity. What's at stake if we don't embrace this, if you don't embrace this? If you don't embrace this more, what's at stake? You'll never belong, truly. That's a rough thing to just say. If you do not experience the love of the Father for you in belonging, you will never truly belong anywhere. Not because the organization, their family is imperfect. Yes, of course they are. But because the score, the music behind your life is one of shame and hurt and pain. And the longing can't be filled by a human. So many of our marriages fall apart because they cannot fill the need inside ourselves. So many friendships die because of that. No, no, no. Belonging can only come from one place. Our job in marriage, our job in friendship, our job in church is to enhance the understanding of your belonging to the king of the universe of which Jesus Christ died to make that happen. <coughs> Restlessness reveals an unmet longing. And perhaps you keep looking for a marriage that makes you feel better, a relationship that infinite abyss of longing is only satisfied in Christ and what he does connecting you to the Father. Your identity is found in your relationship to God. What's at stake? Not experiencing the unity of the Spirit. Not experiencing the unity of the Spirit. I talked a couple weeks ago about the idea of the field and that it's all one field. All the church is in one field working it together. But that could be far, like our experience of that is farther than we could possibly imagine from that reality. We don't have unity. If we do not understand our adoption at sons and daughters and that we are both sons and daughters in the community, if we don't understand and live in that reality, then what unity can have? See, a family tie is the only thing that will break the disunity. But if we forget that we're family, if we don't experience that, <clears throat> it becomes one of the ways in which we try to find belonging by pushing and creating barriers. Next week, I'm going to talk about unity, talk about what it takes to be unified with political issues and issues and, and what Jesus wanted for us and how we experience that in prayer. But we won't get there if we don't start here. See, it's not a problem of differences of opinions, but our inability to live into our identity as children of the king that have caused the division in our church globally, locally. <laughs> I love this quote. The unity of the church must spring from the kind of common life that is imparted to all believers by a new birth. We are not our own. We are new sons and daughters. Finally, what's at stake? We will fall to the lies of the enemy. 
if we don't understand that we are sons and daughters. We will fall to the lies of the enemy. He'll keep pushing you into relationships, into social media, into money, into power, into influence to fill the unmet need of belonging. You will follow the cadence of his music. You will sway to it. You will let his score define your life and it will be one that is never satisfied and is always afraid that you don't belong. What can we do? How do we make this happen? How can we do We can't just conceptually do this. I want to take us back for just a moment to Genesis 3.8. Genesis 3.8. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they rejected the song of God the Father and believed that God was withholding from them, that he wasn't allowing them to truly belong. And they listened to the song of Satan and severed their identity and started this whole process for us. They used to walk with God in the garden. Genesis 3.8. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. (coughs) This is one of the few times I'm going to tell you where I disagree with how the English is translated from the original language. I don't say that lightly, but I do it for a specific reason. Here it says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it's interesting here, the cool of the day, that word, the cool of the day, is not the word cool, but ruach, which means wind. It means the power and presence of God. Ruach hovered over the waters before creation. Ruach is what rested on, hovered on Jesus when he was empowered. See, they assumed that since breezes in that area of the country in the afternoon tend to come in the afternoon or the cool of the day, that they were saying that this event was a time. There was a time of the day that God came. But that's a stretch. Ruach is the breath of God. It was what animated everything. What was happening there is that the breath, the wind, the power of God became present. And how would you experience that? Well, the trees would move. This moment is powerful that God's presence, his animating force was with Adam and Eve over and over and over and over again. And so many times his presence would come into the trees. And what it would do is it would cause Adam and Eve to come running. Like when I come home and I hear daddy and my three kids run at me with joy and throw their arms around me, that's what this sound would elicit. This joy and this passion of going to dad and saying, look, you're here. I want to be with you. That's what was lost in the garden because instead of that, the flip side of that is the power and the immensity and the holiness of God. And so what they experienced in the forest was fear because they had stopped listening to the love of a father and started listening to the shame of the enemy. How do we change? We need to experience the presence of God again and listen to the right music, the right sound. Because of Jesus Christ, he restored that relationship so that we can be like Adam and Eve again. Did you know that? One of the greatest gifts we have is not just eternal life, which, by the way, eternal life in heaven before the new earth is spent worshiping and being in conjunction with God. But the 
beautiful thing about what was restored to us is that we get to be in his presence again, that we can hear the wind and we can run to our Father and he can gather us in his arms and reimpart truth into us. That is why we pray. That's the primary reason why I pray. Do you know that? The main reason I pray personally is not just to pray for God to do things, but for God to transform my identity and to rest in my Father's arms. So, how do we do this? We embrace that Ruach again. It's our gift. It's our right. And to whatever degree you can do it, it is something that is always good. So we must relearn to embrace the presence of God. One, spend time with God like Adam and Eve did. In verse 13, as we are closing here, I want you to start thinking about what you're going to do. I'm going to give you lots of options. But listen to what his prayer says. I'm coming to you now, Jesus is leaving. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. God desires for us to be unified with the Father and that it would produce joy in us. If you are feeling restless, you don't have to make something happen. You simply need to try and spend time and position yourself with God to experience identity and security in Him. He wants us to find joy in the times of the world we live in right now with Him. If you're struggling to do that, I encourage you to jump onto this 21 days of prayer and remove some distractions that will bring some restlessness up, which then you invite God into and see what he does. But come to the prayer night tonight at 6.30 online and in person so that we can do this together. Another action step, again, pray with God. There's a resource on our Now page that has lots of opportunities to help you, to, to get you connected. You know, music is powerful. There are scriptures that are powerful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. There are ways to connect with God, but don't do it alone. Allow people to help you. Second, we need to combat, combat the lies of the enemy. You start this 21 days of prayer, I guarantee that that score that Satan's been playing over your life is going to turn up to 11. You're like, why would I do that? Because... It's about training our heart and mind not to just simply survive this world, but to find belonging in him. So we do that. Verse 14, this is powerful, and what a gift we have in this. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they not of the world anymore than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. I have given you his word. I have given you his word. We'll get to that in a moment. The second thing we need to do is to combat the lies of the enemy. The enemy is not going to like us. The world is going to push against this new truth and hope that we have found because the world belongs to the enemy. That doesn't mean everyone out in the world is horrible. No, they're just being influenced what it does mean is that the world is out there to make you feel like you don't belong. But spending time with God helps you do that. So what do you have to do? Well, you've got to remove some of the influences of the world so that you can hear the new song. And so the second thing I'm asking you to do is take a step and fast. You need to fast, which means removing for a season of time something from your life, even if it is good, so that you can rely on God more. So you need, may need to fast from media and shows and movies. I know there's nothing else to do. It's winter. 
read your Bible, you know, spend some time in prayer, you know, that kind of thing. Those are things that you can do instead. Fast from that. Maybe you need to fast from alcohol or sugar or, or caffeine or tobacco, things that help soothe you, things that you use. Maybe it's not even, you don't use them irresponsibly, but maybe you need to remove those things. Maybe you need to spend some time removing season parts of the day or whole days of eating so that your restlessness drives you to God. This one is hard. What could it be? It could be all of it, or I would encourage you, if you've never fasted, to pick one thing. Maybe getting rid of everything besides water. That's a tough one. Maybe getting whatever you go to when you are feeling restless, remove that thing. And let your restlessness grow to drive you to the place of the Father. Finally, in verse 17 and 19, he says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Sanctify them by the truth. The word of God is the truth. This is where we get everything we preach about. These realities, these truths are something that first must be read before their experience. And we can experience them without knowing, but the truth is something that we need to invest into our lives. And that might mean you need to memorize some scriptures, but it's done in community. So the third thing I would tell you is spend time in the word of God in community. Pray together, wrestle with the word of God. I know that you are doing that if you are in a life group. So my first step is join a life group. Group Sunday's coming up. They're designed to help you belong. Did you know that groups are designed to help you feel like you belong? Not feel it as if it's not real, but to experience more of it as we dive into the word of God together and create accountability. Join a life group. I don't know if you're truly gonna experience your sonship or your daughtership without it because it guides us to the presence of God again and again. Then read the word of God. There's a, a new app that came out from something called the Bible Project, which we've talked about. They created an app, and the app guides you through the movements of Scripture, and it's beautiful and gorgeous, and there's videos. It will ignite your, your curiosity and teach you about the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you go through their Holy Spirit skill, you'll hear more about what I talked about today in Genesis 3, 8, the Ruach of God. I want you, more than anything else, to experience the love of God the Father for you. The only way you're going to experience that connection with God the Father is if it's been reconnected. That your sins, your brokenness, your pain, your hurt, all of that can be wrapped up in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as he died on the cross, perfect, and paid for you, he then offers you not just a connection with God, but that you could be family. This gift is the greatest gift you'll ever accept. And it will take you your entire eternity, not just your life here on earth, but your entire eternity to understand the fullness of what Jesus Christ has done for you. It will be an exploration forever of the grace and mercy of God. But you have to start that journey. I'd invite everybody to stand. I feel like every time I talk about this, I'm restarting my journey. But some of you online, in person, maybe you're listening later this week even, it's time for you to start that journey. There's a song 
being sung over you and maybe you've only caught glimpses of it over your life. One, that you could belong, that you could be loved, that you could be chosen. I want you to listen to that song and I want you to start to choose it. I want to pray with you that this prayer is not something magical. It's, it's not something that's formulaic. It's just a way for you to focus on the fact that God is here, the Father who wants to offer you his love through his son's sacrifice. So pray something like this in your heart, out loud, whatever you need to do, whether you're recommitting or committing for the first time. Say something like this, God, I know you're there. I want to know you as Father. I know that I'm in the way. But I believe that Jesus has made that way paid for me so that I can know you, my Father, like Adam and Eve did before they fell. That I can have your presence inside of me and that that abyss in my heart can only be filled by you. So today I choose that. I choose to follow Jesus knowing that I must rely on him for everything. Teach me what it means to be your son your daughter. Uh, what a great message that Pastor Nathan brought to us today all about belonging, about understanding our, our Heavenly Father as our Father and everything that word entails as a perfect Father, as a good Father. I hope that Pastor Nathan gave you a lot to reflect on in this season about how we pray and the, the way we view God as we pray, again, as our Heavenly you have anything going on that you need prayer for we would love to know about that so we can pray with you and come alongside you you can let us know directly you can fill out a connect card or reach out to any of our pastors or anyone in this community and ask for prayer so please do that we're not alone we want to help you feel like you belong to god and to this community of his sons and daughters i hope this week is good i hope to reflect and to pray or to fast or whatever you need to do this week to uh, enjoy and celebrate and participate in the season of prayer that we're going through. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you soon.